of helplessness. And if you're a guest here this evening, thank you for being here. God bless you. Be praying for our teenagers. My, they uh, are having a wonderful time getting ready for that great tour this summer, but getting ready especially tonight for uh, a Disciple Now weekend. They're planning for over 160 teenagers to be involved in this. A little roar down here, uh, Glenn, on the speaker. Maybe with the game could be turned down just a little bit. Uh, this evening, I'd like for you, if you will, please, to open your Bible to the fifth chapter of Exodus. And we're going to look at this chapter just once again. As you know, Sunday morning and uh, evening, I spoke from chapters 5 and chapter 6. On Sunday morning and evening, we're, we're, as I've said, galloping through the book of Exodus. On Wednesday evenings, we're taking a journey back into the previous week's passage to just pick up on a few things that we might have overlooked or a few thoughts that that the Lord would want to use to uh, touch our lives and to change us. And so uh, in just a few moments, we're going to stand and read again what was a portion of the text on Sunday morning, the 22nd and 23rd verses of Exodus chapter 5. Before we do that, let me just say that for the next few brief moments, I want to speak on the subject of helplessness. Helplessness. Have you ever... uh, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you felt you were absolutely helpless? I mean, there was just, there was nothing that you could do. Maybe it was an embarrassing situation. There wasn't anything you could say. Maybe it was a physical calamity and, and there was nothing you could do. I mean, you were just absolutely, um, well, you were helpless. <laughs> I, I remember when... Uh, just a few months after I came to First Southern, in the in, I came in in '85 in the in the fall winter, but in the summer of '86, I remember this so vividly. I experienced uh, a great feeling of helplessness, and my friends have sort of laughed about this because they were tickled to death that this occurred. But to me, it was uh, it was one of those moments in life where you know you just can't do anything. I like to be able to do something about something. Um, uh, David Self, who was in our staff at that time, used to tell people that joined our staff, well, if you've got a problem, don't ask Brother Tom unless you want it fixed in the next five minutes because, uh, you know, just, just go do it. Well, this is one of those situations where I couldn't fix it. It was, it was in the days before, you know, everybody had a cell phone. In fact, um, uh, very few people even had the, the radio telephones in their car, at least very few people that I knew at that moment. And uh, I sure didn't have one in, in my car. And uh, we were doing our Living in the Word broadcast, and David Taylor was out. Uh, you know, he made the tapes for, for Living in the Word, and he, he would, um, uh, you know, we'd talk to him about the topics. So I forget what book of the Bible I was preaching through. Uh, but I do know this, that one Wednesday night, uh, I got up. Uh, it was, it was uh, before... Um, uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we hadn't been in this auditorium very long. And uh, I got up and had had a lot of people ask questions about what was happening in the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, in terms of the conservative resurgence and some of the battles and what some of the professors at that, very liberal professors were teaching at that time and everything. 
And so I decided that I was just going to tell it like it is. I just, I just had sort of had it with some of those guys in the schools, and I was a little bit, you know, I was more than just a little bit angry. I, I just, I, you know, just, uh, you know, the typical conservative, liberal kind of brouhaha. And uh, being the conservative that I am, I was really upset with, with the liberals uh, at that time that seemed to have control of some of our seminary positions, which they do not now, praise the Lord, but, um, but they did then. And some of the things they were saying. So on Wednesday night, I got up and I preceded the message by saying, you know, this is, I just want to have a family talk. And this has been on my heart, and I'm just going to tell it like it is, and I'm going to name names, and I'm going to say what they said, and tell you what they did, and tell you what the outcome of that thing is going to be, and just give you a little history of, the, of what was happening as God was moving in our convention to bring us back to the Bible. And I said, this is not, you know, going to be for broadcast or publication or anything like that. It's just, just sort of a family talk. And I did, and I, and I proceeded to just shell the corn on that whole issue. I mean, and I did name names. Why, well, you know, can you believe this guy said this? And I quoted him, and can you believe that at this school they did the following? And I quoted what they did. And can, I have a letter here I want to read to you from, you know, Mr., you know, Dr. Smellfungus at some, you know, uh, university that said the following. And, you know, some leader of the board said, said this. And, man, I mean, I was... I, it was just unrestrained. I was just venting. I mean, just unrestrained, you know. I said, that's the reason, you know, we're having this difficulties. And if those guys can get off the scene, you know, and everything. Well, <clears throat> David Taylor, you know, he's just trying to be faithful and helpful to the new preacher and everything. And um, we had this afternoon drive time radio broadcast. And I was um, in a series. And I think I, had, I mentioned that this was not to be broadcast. But in his... In his wanting to, you know, help and everything, he just, he'd been given by George Prolock these tapes, and, and he would record one side and make it into the program, and then he would turn it over and record the other side. Well, I was out here on 240, and there had been an accident, and it was hot, and uh, uh, the air conditioning in the car didn't work, and it was bumper to bumper traffic. And I mean, we were just creeping along. In fact, sometimes we'd just come to a stop. I think a truck had gone up the ramp near Crossroads or something like that. And it was just, it was terrible. We were just stuck in the traffic, couldn't go anyplace. But I thought that's okay because I'm going to listen to Living in the Word and I'll get to hear, you know, I don't, I rarely ever, in fact, they begged me sometimes, said, you ought to listen to yourself, you know, maybe change a few things. And um, so I, I thought, well, you know, here it is, 4.30. I'm not usually in the car at 4.30. I think I'll just see what kind of a great program we got on the radio right now. And I turned it on. And, you know, in this voice, it sounded sort of like Mike McCarville, you know. Uh, I was whining on about Southern Baptist Convention and naming names and saying bad things. About, oh, man, I was upset. And, and, and the problem was I could not, I was stuck. I, was, I couldn't call and say, turn the thing off. Or, or, you know, nowadays I could call and say, you know, things like, you know, go down there and, 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 and deal with the folks, you know, turn it off, turn your, you know, whatever. But I couldn't. I was absolutely helpless. I mean, stuck in the traffic, helpless. And I had this, I've had this feeling that everybody in the cars around me, they were looking over me going, <laughs> <laughs> I, there is this redeeming factor, and Margaret Johnson will vouch for this. Um, she was on the switchboard at that time. And that is that that program to this day remains the second. Uh, it, it remains second in terms of response of any programs we've ever, we've ever had on Living the Word. We had great call and response. I don't know how many free tapes we sent out of that. I mean, it was, 
Do you know, you know what the first best response we've had on any, any radio program? Uh, it was the one where I, I got up and talked about why I didn't like cats. <laughs> and, and we got a lot of calls on that one, you know. And uh, just enough that I, I keep saying that every now and again, just to keep the phone, uh, phone lines busy. Well, I was helpless. This passage of Scripture, if you will stand with me and let's look at it, verses 22 and 23, is um, an interesting passage because we find Moses in a helpless state. All he's done is what God asked him to do and what God finally convinced him to do against Moses' Reluctance, overcoming all of his arguments against Moses' better judgment. Moses finally went to Pharaoh and said, God says, let the people go. Pharaoh, as I said Sunday morning, exploded. <laughs> Moses, I think, thought Pharaoh would say, oh, well, all right. Um, you know, what day do you want to leave? Uh, but that's not exactly what happened. I mean, Pharaoh just blew up. And he, he just said, look, it's obvious to me, if you guys want to go out in the wilderness and worship for three days, which is not exactly what God told Moses to say, by the way, if you want to go out and worship three days, you've got too much time on your hands. And so what you need to do is you just need to double up on your work. And so he told the taskmasters, have them make the same amount of bricks, but quit giving them the straw. And the straw was necessary. It was the, the cohesive element in this brick. And just don't give them any straw. But do not reduce the number of bricks that they need to make. So now they got another job. And uh, they can't do it. I mean, they just can't seem to get it all together. And, and so the taskmasters beat up on the Israelite job foreman. The Israelite job foreman going to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, hey, don't, don't bug me about this. Moses came in here and said, you guys had time on your hands. You want to go out there in the wilderness and, and uh, uh, worship God? If you've got that much time, well, you can, you can just take that time and go to work for me. And so about that time that the, the job foreman come out of Pharaoh's court. Moses and Aaron happened to be standing there, you know, and that was a, that was a, a, a timely meeting for the job foreman, and they just exploded again. So now Pharaoh is eating Moses' lunch, and now the job foreman eat Moses' lunch. They said, you know, God's going to judge you ever since you showed up. Our life has really gotten tough. You said you're going to deliver us. Man, this is a horrible. I mean, this is terrible what's going on. And so Moses... Um, he gets with God, verse 22, and Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore have you so evil entreated this people? Why have you treated us so badly? Why is it that you sent me? I'm just filled with questions, Lord. I mean, I'm not telling you anything, Lord, but you know that since I came to Pharaoh to speak in his name, he is uh, to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people and you haven't delivered your people. I'm absolutely confused. I'm absolutely helpless here. I don't know what's going on. And so tonight I want to speak about helplessness. Father, I pray, trusting that your Holy Spirit will open the word to our hearts. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask, you know, maybe in a more lighthearted fashion, if you've ever caught yourself in a rather helpless kind of situation. But not all helplessness can be taken with a lighthearted attitude because... Some of you are involved in, in relationships at home 
and you're absolutely helpless. It's, it's like a, a freight train. It's like a runaway car, and you're helpless. You're, you're begging God, and you're praying, and you're talking to friends, and you're getting counsel, but nothing's working. Some of you are, are in front of a financial freight train, and, I mean, it's just bearing down on you. And, and you, you say, you know, yeah, I, I, I know there's lots of good counsel out there, but this is a little late for counsel. I mean, this thing, the door is going to be shut on this puppy. I mean, I'm fixing to lose this thing. And you're helpless. Some of you may be uh, dealing with some physical issues, something in your body. And you say, you know, I, I, there's nothing I can do. And the doctors have said there's nothing they can do. And they're going to try, but they don't hold out a lot of hope for me. And I feel really helpless about this. I have, a, I have a notion tonight that some of us in this auditorium uh, have tried a lot of times to get victory in certain areas of our life. And the devil's got us pretty well convinced that we're helpless. Because, I mean, we've made so many resolutions and we've made so many attempts to resolve this problem, to, to, to get rid of that habit or that pattern of life or to, to change that and, and um, all to no avail. And we've come to the point where we just feel like we're helpless. I mean, we're absolutely helpless. Well, what I want you to see tonight is that that's not really too bad of a place to be. Helpless. It's really not too bad of a place to be. Uh, when I was reading these two chapters, um, and I don't know if you ever do this, but, but uh, when, I, when I read the scripture... You know, you get down and you, you, you get into the lives of these people. Here's Pharaoh and here's Moses. And you try to learn what you can about Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You learn what you can about Moses and Aaron and about the people of Israel and what it is to make brick and everything like that. Uh, but, but sometimes in my mind's eye anyway, I, uh, I get in a helicopter and I try to get as high over the scene as I can. And just sort of take a look at it. And I'd like, I had a funny view of this scene. I'd like for you to think with me about the night following Moses' encounter with Pharaoh. That night. And, and you're up here, you know, you're, you're, you're on a hillside, let's say, way above the city. Not any hillsides there in Egypt for him to look over. But, but you're, you're looking down on this scene. Here's, and, and the first place, you, you say, there's light on in the window there in, in the palace. Let, let's look over there. And over there is Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is just walking back and forth and he's scratching his head and one of his servants comes to him and says, man, what is the matter with you? And he says, you know something? It doesn't make any difference what I do. These children of Israel, they're just growing by leaps and bounds. I am absolutely helpless to know how to deal with it. I've done everything I know how to do. I have put them to work. I have made them slaves. I have ordered that the boys be killed. I have done it. And, and they're growing on me. I mean, the, the, you know, it's, 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 it's like sourdough bread. I mean, they, he probably didn't say that. But I mean, he said, this thing is it's, it's just growing on me. And I'm, I don't know how to stop it. And now they've come in here and they've asked to go out and worship. And, and I, I'm just, you know, I'm just pretty helpless against this thing. And then you see uh, over another part of town, you see several lights on. And so you just pick one of the houses and you, you take your telescope and you look inside the window. And there you find an Israelite father and he's saying, man, I, we're, we're helpless. Man, I mean, this is, this is a tough situation. You know what happened today? <laughs> they said, we got to keep doing everything we're going to do. And they're not going to help us anymore by giving us any straw for brick. We've got to go out there and pick that ourselves. We tried it today. We couldn't even keep up. It's absolutely impossible. Sugar pie, we are helpless. 
we, we, this, is a, this is a helpless situation we're in. And then let's, let's go over here to the, to the uh, motel where the, the visitors stay. And you see a light on him. And here's Moses, and he's on his knees at the bed. He says, Dear God, what's all this about? Man, I'm <laughs> helpless. I mean, I am so helpless. I, I, you know, I, I've done everything you told me to do, and it did not turn out the way, and now nobody likes me. I'm not even sure you like me. Why did you send me here anyway? You've treated these people bad. Pharaoh's treated me bad. They're upset with me. I, I am helpless. I mean, in, in, in Egypt during those days, there was a, there's a lot of helplessness. And I have a feeling that if we could get above this auditorium and look, not at the top of your head, but down in your heart, that there might be some people here tonight who would be saying, yeah, I know what you mean. Life for me is sort of like that. I, there's something happening at work and I seem to be helpless to stop it. Uh, something happening in my family, I'm helpless to stop it. Uh, somebody else may be saying, they're asking things of me, I, I'm helpless to provide. I, I can't. There's no way in the world I can do what they're asking me to do. What, what's going to happen? And, and somebody else may, here may be saying, God, this is the most confusing thing in the world. I have tried to do it by the book. I've tried praying and fasting and witnessing and being honest. And be, I've, but, but I am obviously helpless to bring about a change. So I thought for just a few minutes I might speak on helplessness. And I'd, mention three, I'd like to mention three things that I see in regard to helplessness. First of all, I think helplessness is the illustration. I think it illustrates something for us. I think it shows something to us. Uh, helplessness shows us what we really care about. You see, frustration occurs when our, our goals are blocked. The things that mean a lot to us are blocked. Anger a lot of times occurs when, when our goals, our ambitions are blocked. The things we want to go, they're not happening like we want them to happen. We don't seem to be able to make them happen in that fashion. We feel helpless. And so this, this illustrates, I mean, for Pharaoh, what was his goal? His goal was that there was going to be no way in the world anybody in Israel, I mean, anybody in Egypt was going to be numerous enough to align with an enemy so that the Egyptians could ultimately be conquered. And the Israelites' goal was just to, hey, let's just get the monkey off our back. And Moses' goal that had been blocked was, I want to deliver these people and I can't seem to do it. But it's at times of helplessness that something is illustrated to you. Whatever it is that you're helpless about, you're, you're learning. You've you got a picture in your helplessness of what you really care about, what really matters to you. What really matters to you. You know, it may be, it may be a real surprise to you. Maybe, the, maybe you're more concerned about your inability to get your car fixed than to get your kids to behave. Well, that just tells what really matters to you, right? You may be more frustrated about the inability to communicate with your boss than to communicate with your partner at home. Well, that tells what really matters to you. So, so take a look just for a moment at any area of your life where you feel helpless. You just say, I just can't seem to make this work, can't seem to straighten it out. 
What does that tell you about what really matters to you? What does that tell you? What does that show about what really matters to you? Now, in addition to being an illustration, I, I believe that helplessness is an indication. It's an indication that God's at work. That's right. Uh, the Bible says that God really delights in the humble. He says, humble yourself before the Lord. He'll lift you up. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And this helplessness in your life indicates something. It indicates God is at work. You see, the thing about it is that uh, God was working in Pharaoh's situation. Pharaoh, who had blurted out that morning, who is this God? I don't know him. And, and God was working to, to help him learn who God was. And God was working over here with the Israelites. These are the same Israelites who said, you know, life is tough as an Egyptian slave, but there's no need to go back to Canaan, and God was, was bringing them to helplessness so that they would want to go where they were supposed to go. And God was working on Moses. I mean, he was working on Moses' behalf. You say, how is it that Pharaoh turning Moses down and the children of Israel getting mad at Moses, how is it that that's God working in Moses' behalf? All right, listen to it this way. God had already told Moses that this was going to happen and that the end result was he was going to have to use his rod, his hand, and pour out the water, and he was going to have to do some, some miracles here so that when the time came that Moses said, let's go, Pharaoh would let them go and the children of Israel would go. So God was working, see, over here for Moses in, in his helplessness. And some of you just feel so helpless, you're just helplessly lonely. You're helplessly confused, helpless at work, helpless in the home, helpless in your heart. I got a call today from virtually, uh, well, it was from the African continent. I'm not going to tell you what nation in Africa. And it was a distressed wife and mother whose children were at loggerheads with her and with each other. And she did not have anywhere to turn except to make a long-distance call all the way to the United States. Just helpless. It's an illustration of what you care about. It's an indication that God's at work. So if you're helpless now, get a little encouraged. God is at work on your behalf. But the last thing I'd like to say about helplessness is this. Whatever helplessness is, it is an invitation. Not just an illustration and an indication. It is an invitation for you to worship God. At least Moses did that right. Moses returned unto the Lord. It's an invitation for you to worship God. 
Brother James uh, and I talk about our worship services. And uh, sometimes the choir will sing, you know, uh, an opening song, you know, call people to worship. Or we'll sing a hymn, oh, worship the king, calling us to worship. And we say, there we've had the call to worship. Well, I'll tell you what, your helplessness in the light of whatever situation it is that has just brought you to your knees is a call to worship God. It's God saying, if you just look this way, you just look this way and worship me, you will find that I have the answer to this. We have this idea that when you come to church, you ought to have everything solved. And that you ought to come in here and, and have it all together. And as an altogether person, you ought to sing at the top of your lungs, you know, oh, worship the king, or he is the king, all hail King Jesus, majesty. And we have this idea that we ought to, we ought to get all tidied up, just like we take a bath, our, our Saturday bath, and we put on our Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, and we come here, and it's all got to be together because that's the way you worship God, with a life that's put together just acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. I tell you, the Bible would indicate something a little bit different than that. I think if you read your Bible history well, you will discover that the great worship services have been spawned in helpless situations where people have just come so absolutely to the end of themselves. They were helpless. And their only hope was God. Do you know what will keep us from having a worship? Do you know what will keep you from worshiping? Any service we have? you know what will keep you from worshiping? Pride. Yeah. The thought that you don't need him. You know what will help you worship? Helplessness. The thought that you can't do without him. Looking down on that scene, there's old Pharaoh. Boy, he's in for a lesson. Right now he's helpless. There's all those Israelites talking among themselves about Moses and reading the paper over and over again and saying, man, these times are hard, helpless. Boy, are they in for a trip. And there's old Moses crying out to God, dear God in heaven, why are you treating an 80-year-old man like this? Boy, is he in for a blessing. All because of helplessness. Father, thank you for reminding us that ever, everything we go through in life is useful, including our helplessness. 
And Lord, tonight I'm convinced that in this auditorium there are people who will come to this altar and on their knees say, Dear God, help. Without you, there is no hope for me. Lord, I thank you that in the most dark moments of our life, you are at work inviting us to worship you. Lord, I pray you'd find us faithful to do it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. We're going to stand in just a few moments. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. It's for you. You say, well, I'm helpless. I'm one of those people. I can hardly make it to the altar. We'll get to the altar. And say, Lord, this is, this is it. I, I realize I need to worship you. You're my hope this moment. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, would you do this tonight? Would you trust him? Would you believe in him? The Jesus who died on the cross, who rose from the grave, would you trust him for eternal life and forgiveness and cleansing of sin? He died for you. He rose so that one day you could have eternal life. Would you believe in him tonight? If so, would you come tell one of these counselors? If you're not a member of this church, but God's been dealing with your heart about that, would you come decide that tonight? Would you just come tell one of these counselors, look, we're joining or I'm joining this church tonight. If you've made a decision in recent weeks, I'd like to ask you to come if we've not introduced you, such as the one who was baptized tonight. Just be seated over here uh, to your right where it says seating for new members. The prayer rail's open. Counselors will be coming. Your invitation. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Let's stand. Father in heaven, bring to this altar all of us who would say, God, without you, it is hopeless. I am helpless, but Lord, I turn to you, for I know that you are the answer. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.